everyone, it's Lila Proença here, and this is The Honest by Vetahead. Every episode, I get to pick the brains of brilliant, inspiring, and honest guests about their lives, passions, and everything and anything we want to discuss. We use the veterinary world just as an excuse to talk to fascinating people. Today, I had with me Jenny Januszewski. I hope I pronounced it right, but I think I didn't. Jenny, I'm sorry. Jenny is a dear friend and animal lover. More specifically, she's a hamster lover. Jenny is an actress, writer, director, photographer, and a fellow adoptive mom. During this time of social distancing, we virtually sat together and talked about a very pressing topic, the love that binds us together, humans and also animals. Jenny has a beautiful experience with both, starting with her furry family members, her beloved hamsters. As a matter of fact, that is exactly how the universe bonded us together, through her first hamster, Hammy. She said during the episode, something was so beautiful and impactful. She said, my hamster is the exact same size as my heart simple and so powerful. She was also incredibly generous to share her personal story as an adoptee as well as an adoptive mom and the strong bond love can create between human beings. But do not be fooled, folks. We were very raw and honest too. And with that, I leave you to enjoy the podcast. Stay safe, stay home, wash your hands and enjoy the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to The Honest by Vetahead. I'm Lila. I'm your host today. And I have with me Jenny Januszki. No, I said it wrong. Jenny Januszki. No, you're going to need to do you it. You know, that's See? too cute. I could have just made you keep going on and on because you, you make it sound <laughs> even better with your accent. But it's actually Januszki. What accent? I know exactly. I'm the one with the <laughs> accent, right? I'm the exotic one with the accent. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it's Janazuski. Yes. Janazuski. See, you need, I was practicing like just before this, but now. Um, <laughs> so, Jenny, thank you so much for being here, for like um, allowing us to have some of your time and um, actually for being my friend all this time. Oh, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me here as your friend, as my <laughs> vet. Oh, my goodness. You've been <laughs> through everything. Thank you. Always oh, a long journey, wasn't it? I don't know if you know that, but. You guys were one of my first clients at West LA. Seriously? Well, I don't know if you were the first, but definitely it was the week I started working there. Oh, wow. We had you guys no idea. Yep. You were yep. awesome. Thank you. It was, I mean, I have heard, I have worked, I was working before, but I was in Georgia. So I had moved to LA um, and that was my first week working officially at the hospital and you guys were I mean, if not the first clients, one of the first ones. So that was what, 2015, 16? Well, what when was that? It's two and a half hamsters ago, and hamsters are about two. They yeah, so were, about four years or something. Yeah. Five, yeah. almost. Oh, yeah? my goodness. Well, happy, happy um, five-year anniversary <laughs> of our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> it was also, you guys were also my first Yelp review oh. in L.A., yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and so yeah. I gave you one star. No, I'm kidding. I gave you five stars because you're worth. <laughs> I every still remember. One. I still remember it. <laughs> I still remember. I don't even need to look. I show it in all my lectures when I talk about 
human animal bond. Uh-huh. I always show your your guys um, Yelp because in the Yelp, we will talk about it, but on the review, in no point you say I was a great vet. What you say is that how I respected your bond with the hamster. You know, people... That's what you guys say. It, it's hard to find an exotic vet, but it's also mm-hmm. hard to find someone that respects that it doesn't matter the size of your pet or, or the length of their lifetime. You love them mm-hmm. all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is it's just... It is, I mean, for us, obviously... It's very obvious and it's very clear. Like, how come it is different? Like, we don't see another way. But uh, even among my colleagues, I talk to them and I say, you know, people that come into their pets, they're coming because they care. Yeah. Because they love them. Like, no one would, like, drive, especially in L.A., go to through traffic and all of that if they didn't care. And it's just difficult for people sometimes to wrap around their heads around. Well, and people um, have to realize... Fact. Sorry for interrupting. Um, no, please do. <laughs> people have to realize that your pet is one of you, your pet and your spouse. They're the mm-hmm. only family members you get to choose and you get some yes, gauge of their personality true. when you get them. You know, that's very true. I never thought about that. It's very true. Those are the only ones you can choose. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, I always start the podcast by asking how we met like how I met the guest how did we meet I mean we kind of gave it away a little bit (laughs) how did we meet oh my goodness how did we meet well you don't know the story before we met you we actually met with other exotic vets Uh uh-huh and and they they all had great things about them but it's sort of like um you know it's the same with a doctor a vet who is a doctor Mm -hmm. um with anyone that you're going to have such a I, I can't. Intimate relationship. Yeah, an intimate it, relationship. It is. It is. Because yeah. you're going to go through such a roller coaster with them. And you want to be, you want to find someone to take that ride with, even, mm-hmm. even the downturns. And we went through so many vets until we found you. And, oh. and I think we started bonding when we started talking about our journey of considering adoption. That was right. That was right in the, it was right at the beginning or right there. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah. The beginning of I years remember- of paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> I think we still, we will talk about that, but we still have the last thing in June. Well, I don't know if it will happen now because of the the coronavirus, but the last day birth American birth certificates is oh. scheduled, the hearing is scheduled for June, but I don't know if it will end up happening, happening but that's the last of the last <laughs> thing of paperwork, I hope, I don't know, we'll that's, see. <laughs> congratulations, that's so Thank exciting. You. Yes. So I was there working, I think, for a week again, or a few days, a couple of days, and you guys came, and you guys, um, you and your husband had Hemi, mm-hmm. uh, which was like the sweetest hamster. And um, I remember it was near Christmas because, well, that's when I kind of started that. And also because on the review, you guys mentioned that <laughs> <laughs> on the, the Yelp review. And so I saw, I think he had some uh, parasite. It was, it was something very non-serious it was very mild it was just a parasite infection and on the and then you left me a Yelp review and the reason I still show that review is it's again in no point on the review you guys talk about my medicine you're talking about um, how one of the things like how I was able to understand that a um, mature couple an adult couple I think you used that an adult couple chose to have a pet hamster because <laughs> at that time you had no kids and a lot of people think the hamster is like a kid to, a pet right yeah. and you, then you guys mentioned that and you also mentioned like how available we were because I think it was near Christmas or or in no point in time in the review you guys mentioned oh, you 
she's such a great doctor, like in medicine only specifically. And I showed that every every lecture when I'm lecture to colleagues that are not from the field because sometimes and I and Hemi ended up having well all of her hamsters, which I can't believe it happens to you guys, <laughs> but they ended up having heart disease. And then we need to go through echocardiograms, ECGs, and, and it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. It's a lot of dedication from you guys. And you guys go through all of that. And to me, it's very normal. But I know I know that for some people, it's they look and say, oh, an echocardiogram in a hamster. I bet you hear that a lot too, right? Yeah, people are like, your hamster has a cardiologist? And we're like, of course, of course, uh, our hamster has a heart. And we love mm-hmm. that little tiny beating heart. Um, and people look at it as as a hamster is like a throwaway pet. And it's not. Yeah. It's yeah. not. And it's not a beginner pet either, because let me tell you, those things bite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they do. <laughs> blood everywhere. Um, but, but of course we had a team to take care of. That was our first fur baby. That was mm-hmm. my very first pet. Um, oh, really? That oh, part yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I grew up on a farm. So everything that I had before as a fur family member was with my siblings. So as an adult, that was my very first pet. And oh, wow. it's so easy to fall in love with little hamsters. I mean, you can't, if you, I think the only people that don't understand the bond, they never actually had to live with a pet. Because if you live with them, if you're caring for them, even if you're just changing the water and the food, yeah. at some point they will catch you because like they look at you differently, they do something cute, and then you start looking at them closely. And it, and then when you see it, it's there, it's bonded. Yeah. And the amount of, of bonding that you go through as they, they mature and they start mm-hmm. to, People don't know this. Hamsters start to squeak and they start to realize that you are a living being and they, they start to squeak whenever they want things. Even if you're trying to sleep, I've learned not to have a hamster in my bedroom. Um, <laughs> and, and then you get to the point where you really have to start caring for them with, um, with medicines. Yeah. And, and administering yeah. these things that maybe the little animal doesn't understand that it has to take. And it's and really, doesn't want it. <laughs> right. I mean, who wants to be, <laughs> wants to have a syringe in their mouth? Um, and it's such a, a beautiful journey. At first, with our first hamster, Hammy. Um, and yes, we do go through all the, the food. We had Hammy biscuits and now we have waffles. Mm-hmm. Um, with Hammy, we were just so devastated. And then with Biscuit, because we had been through the journey, we were devastated, but we also realized it's such an honor to take care of an elder animal. You know, whether it's an older dog, an older cat, or an older hamster, they, they need the love that we give to our grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And and I, people always ask me that too and like oh I, or they say that and it's such a misconception they also say like oh I want a hamster because they don't get sick and like <laughs> no animal it's like no living beings like that if you yeah. have a beating heart you can get sick it's, it's not like you know they, and the and the prices are sometimes um, people don't understand and I, I know where they're coming from but sometimes they don't understand the prices too and even my colleagues sometimes and that's my biggest battle is not with owners it's with my colleagues it's just like yeah. they want to charge cheaper I'm like but you still need that ultrasound actually you need more equipment like to see him is hard we need a specific probe that of course is more expensive because it can see very tiny things Versus the one that already comes with the machine that can see like a dog or a cat or like, because it's designed for humans too. And so the more, like the smaller you go, the more delicate tools and specific tools you need. 
And the level of specialization just increases, increases, increases. So that's your co education cost and everything. And again, it's, it's hard for some people to understand sometimes. And then I need to go through this exercise. And But I think the main point that hurts my heart, and, and that's one goal I have with Vet Ahead, is really to have equality between animals. I really want a hamster, a rabbit, a turtle to be seen as the same as a dog or a cat. For people to understand and respect them, like the same yeah. they do with a dog or a cat. And so that's like my goal is like to provide, <laughs> so to teach veterinarians so they can provide good quality medicine. They can care for them. I think I have the impact I can have on, on animals' lives is so much bigger that way because I can teach vets that will like impact hundreds of animals versus just me in the hospital with each animal. Yeah, so and that's it, one thing. If you were to look at things, um, if you were to value an animal and their life by the size that they are, like let's say if you really want to say that a hamster's life is, is not worth as much as a dog's, well then is a human's life worth as much as a horse or a lion? Because we're animals too. So should we yeah, just be put down true. without given care? And when it comes to the expense, it, even though it's a smaller animal, we knew that nothing changes that this machine needs to be used. This is how much this procedure is as opposed to this is how much it is for a hamster. Now, we did not think that our $14 hamster would end up being a $6,000 journey, but, yeah. <laughs> but we're glad that for our household, we did everything we could for our hamster and we're making different choices with different hamsters. Yeah. And some people will not want the procedures. They'll want it just to happen naturally. And mm -hmm. that's acceptable too. But that happens too with dogs and cats. That's not a thing. Like, so we as vets, we need to understand where our clients are because we need to walk that journey with them. And we, of course, are obliged to offer plan A. But if plan A is not a possibility, we offer plan B, C, D, because our goal is to support you and help you, right? And so, but even with dogs and cats, not everybody has that money. And I understand we are in a very, at least the hospital I work, it's in a very prestigious part of LA it's the cost will follow that you know it's not going to be like that in every um, single place but it's also not easy to find to find a specialist as well but with all that being said there are many many owners that own dogs and cats that can't afford and and you know that's not specifically for for owners that have non-traditional pets. Well, one of the things that helped us this time around with waffles, and you know, right now she seems pretty healthy, even though she's already on mm -hmm. heart meds, is that you introduced us to the idea of um, pet insurance for exotic animals. I thought mm -hmm. it was just for cats and dogs. That's a good point. Um, but now that we we have subscribed to pet insurance, which is it's like less than ten dollars a month for ours. Yes. Um, the amount that it's co it's compensating us makes it a little easier to make decisions. Yes, you're very right. So I'm so glad you brought that point because that's new too. Um, it's just uh, a couple of years that pet insurances started covering non-traditional pets. Uh, okay. Before, I think they there was only one and it only covered uh, bunnies. And I think now that same one is just the one you have. They cover birds, reptiles, other mammals. And so that becomes so much better. I have pet insurance for my own pets and I'm a vet awesome <laughs> because we do get we do get a discount right but it's not you know it doesn't cover the expenses and you know expenses can get quick they can get expensive well expenses can get um high very quickly so you know insurances it helps a lot especially yes. when my pets start getting older 
you start having to do more things. And, and yes, I, as a vet, I have pet insurance. So I think that says a lot. Yeah. Um, what are things that you heard already? Like when you mentioned you have a hamster, like what are things that you heard from people that crazy nonsense? Well, a lot of people think that, um, that, that adults aren't supposed to have hamsters, <laughs> <laughs> which you know i live in los angeles and uh you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> i don't want to take a dog out in the middle of the night you know i live in a safe-ish area but really are you ever safe anywhere and mm-hmm. right now we're dealing with the um the the coronavirus virus or the novel yeah. covid19 and yeah um you know right now for us having a hamster is a bit more convenient than having a pet that you need to take out yeah um and then there's the whole People always tease me about how expensive my hamsters end up, but mm-hmm. it's not the size of the, the cost of the pet. It's yeah. the size of yeah. the love I, I tell them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a great way to put it. And that's a great way to put it. Thank Can you. Can I use that phrase? I love of it. Of course. Of course. Oh, that's lovely. Say that again. I forgot what it was, but I think it's recorded. <laughs> <laughs> you said it's not the... It's, it's not, not the size of the size of the pet. It's the size of the love. We I all forgot. need to go back and I'll need. Yeah, I'll but, go back. But that's great. I will use that. Dude, I always tell people that my hamster is the exact same size as my heart. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. That's so lovely. I love it. Cheesy. That. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love cheesy stuff. You mentioned growing up in a farm. Where did you grow up? I grew up in, in Michigan on a gentleman's farm. So we farmed for ourselves. We had about 10 acres, but our neighbors had the cows and the pigs and the chickens where we would um, select our, at the, at the time, our family, we were meat eaters, um, where we could select our pork or our beef, or let's call mm-hmm. it what it is, our cute cow and our cute pig that we would slaughter. Mm-hmm. So, um so, yeah, what does it mean, a gentleman's farm? What, is, what does it mean? A gentleman's farm or a farmette is a smaller farm that just produces for itself. Oh, yeah. so a sustainable, like a self-sustained ecosystem. Yeah, our neighbors had like hundreds of acres where they would sell their their food um, and their animals. And ours was more like we had 36 fruit trees. Mm-hmm. We had a three-acre garden to feed ourselves. Oh, wow. what is your favorite fruit tree? My favorite fruit tree. Oh, I love cherries and plums. Oh, I love mm-hmm. it too. Oh, cherries are my favorite. Yeah. Oh. I never eat cherries from a tree. Really? Oh, oh, they're so good. Oh, that must be lovely. How how was growing up in a farm? It seems magical. I know it seems romantic, but I know that <laughs> every romantic, and we will talk about a romantic journey, but all romantic journeys are actually not that romantic. So how is it like really growing up in a farm like that? Oh, are you a city girl? Did you grow up in a city? I I. Yes, and it's like I grew up in suburbs, but it was okay. not a farm at all. It was more city. It was more urban than anything else. Not an apartment, in a house with yeah. a backyard, but still in the city. Oh my goodness, I loved growing up in a farm, and I am a city person. Like I could, I couldn't be on a farm again for like more than three weeks without going crazy. But the idea that I got to that I got to know where everything came from, including what it means to have a stake. Um, was just, I, I think looking back really helped me understand my place in the world. Um, and that, that you really have to give thanks for, for the farmers, for the animal, for the earth, because it's not just going to the grocery store to get something. It Mm -hmm. is months and months of nurturing this, uh, thing, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. a plant or an animal in hopes that it becomes something that gives you nourishment. It is true. 
It is true. And you, uh, so actually you're very resourceful now because we might go through a food security thing. So I know <laughs> who to call if I need to plant something like for a device. I, I'm so terrible with plants. Like I can't make plants survive. It's inc- I'm like, I'm really good with animals, like to make them survive and save them. Like when it comes to plants, it's a joke. I actually start buying artificial plants for the house because it can't keep them alive <laughs> i'm doing the same i've killed like five tomato plants and two strawberry plants and it's still just like april <laughs> yeah. i buy those hydroponic um basil and uh mint that you can find at the store and like put them in a vase and all and i try but like within a few weeks they die i'm like ah yeah so but i <laughs> then i buy another one right and then it was so funny that chloe my daughter the other day said mom you're such you're so good with plants i was like what she was like yeah you we have this plant we have had this plant since the, the other house i was like chloe this is like the 50th plant i bought since then because <laughs> like, she doesn't see them die and i replace it and i don't do that on purpose but like i just replace them never thought about it but in her head it's the same exactly one because it's basil it's the same basil. Or maybe maybe she just is looking at you with love and she only notices the accomplishments yes well, one day, I don't know if Mitch uh, already did that to you. I, I don't know. I think he's still going to get there. But one day I was um, I was wearing like a, a dress, a strapless dress. And she's, and and then she changed and, and we bought her a strapless, strapless dress too. And then she put it on. And, then, and that was right in the beginning, like where I was not yet feeling loved and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And she came to me and she said, look, mom. I said, Chloe, you look so beautiful in this dress. And she said, I look just like you. I'm Aww. like, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> I should have like shut my mouth right there. And I was like, oh, why do you say that? Like I was fishing for compliments. And she said, <laughs> you know, because my belly looks like yours. And she was like moving her hands like if, like if I had a huge belly, you know, like if I had a huge stomach. I'm like, what do you mean, Chloe? And she was like, well, you know, my belly is like this and she would make like a like a flat belly. Yours is like this and she would make like a like a forward moving. I'm like, <laughs> "Chloe, I'm not understanding. What it's look like it looks like you're pregnant." I'm like, "Oh." oh and then Steven said, "Chloe, you better run." <laughs> but yeah, you see it's like it's she was not trying to hurt me. She was just being very Aww. like, you know, That's but so you see, cute. How old is she? I know. She's now 10, and oh, that wow. she was probably eight and a half, nine when that happened. But it was very legit. She was being very sincere, not trying to hurt me. And I bet she was even trying to compliment me. But that is yeah, very that sweet. Was great. <laughs> and so funny. sweet. I wanted to kill her, but so sweet. <laughs> so you said you grew up with, with siblings. How many siblings do you have? I have two brothers and a sister, but I should also add that um, on the farm, my parents were city folk and they did not understand um, spaying and neutering. So we also had over the nine years, we had about a hundred cats. <gasps> yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so why did they, why were they living in the, in the farm? Why did they decide to? You know, my mom had always wanted, you know, she wrote to my dad when they were teenagers that she wanted ducks in a pond and a white picket fence. So when he got a different job and they were looking around, he saw that and he said, I, I found your home. Yeah. That's ama- Are they still together? Yeah. They celebrated 55 years recently. I think they're on 56. I guess that's how the numbers work. Oh, and the- <laughs> you crack me up. <laughs> and that's amazing. I mean, that's so amazing. It's really and, fabulous. Um, it is fabulous. Do they live close by? 
No, they live in Michigan. So, so they still no there. longer live on the farm, but they live in in a suburb type area. It's amazing. So, okay. So you have, I'm sorry, you just said it, but you have three siblings. So two? Two brothers and a sister. And you, in what order are you? Uh, I am the youngest. I am the baby. Ah. Yes. And my one of my brothers became a veterinarian. Oh, that's so awesome. And my sister um, is an active member of PETA. So we grew up to be animal lovers. That's so amazing. And so you were the youngest. How, what is the difference between you and the oldest? Oh, let me think. Um, let's see. My next sibling up is four years, then one year, then four years. So that would be eight, nine. He is nine years older than me. Oh, wow. So kind of, he, he must have been very paternal, very caring, because the difference is so huge. Or no, he didn't want to have anything to do with you. <laughs> I was a traditional bratty little sister that wanted, like, show me this, I have a question, yeah. Like, 10 billion questions. So I don't think that they really wanted me around, but, um, but yeah, I was that. I was that person. <laughs> <laughs> you are so sweet. I can't imagine that. But I would call you curious, not, not that you were a brat. You were very curious uh -huh. about life and excited. Life. I will tell myself that every time my four-year-old asks me, what is this? How does it work? What color is it? Tell me No, then. that's annoying. That's annoying. Woman. That's annoying. Like, that's exactly here. Like, what am I going to do next? What is next? What is next? I'm like, Bo, please stop. <laughs> like, he doesn't even start one thing. He's like, what are we going to do next? I was like, you didn't even start that activity. Can you finish this one first and then move to the next one? Yeah. Anyway, it is. Uh, I don't know how our parents did, honestly. Did you guys get along, all your siblings and you? My siblings and I, you know, as kids, we were, we were all very, very confident. So I wouldn't say that we got along, but I wouldn't say that we fought, um, just because we were all very stronger, confident kids. So how, we, how, how did it happen? Do you think it was you or the way your parents raised you? Because that, that is not rare. That's amazing, but that's rare. You know, all four of us are adopted. So this is nurture versus nature. And I think that it was the nurture part, um, my parents raised us all to be very curious and all to be very confident and to not think that someone um, that has authority necessarily knows more. They just know differently and they might have gotten a certificate. Um, so how that, did you do that? How did your parents do that without? I mean, I'm sure you respected them and the authority, but how? Like how? No, how it raised a kid like that. It made their life horrible. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, because my dad would try to tell me not to do something, and I'm like, Dad, you don't have the right to tell me that. Or he would say the word "ain't," and I would like, I don't think that that is a word. I don't think you can use that word with me when you're speaking to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, How did he not slap that fifth grader? So I don't know if that's a good way to raise children. <laughs> like if you're doing that to me right now, yeah. I said something today, and he corrected my English. Was like, Who do you think you are? He was laughing. <laughs> he was like laughing, cracking up. But, but it's going to be started. It's going to be great for him when he gets older. Like the things that irritate us about our children now are going to be. I know. Make them fabulous I mean, adults. My majority of the time, I laugh about it. But like, there's a point. Like you're human, you know. They just like just go to sleep because I need to go to sleep too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. So you, they are all, are all four of you adopted. Were you adopted at the same time, or you adopting different? Um, times no they were all uh my oldest brother was adopted after many foster homes um i think my parents got him when he was just over a year maybe two years mm -hmm. um because he was in the foster system it took them longer to get him and my sister and my brother were adopted as newborns and i was adopted um when i was six months old i will not tell you which year um, that's okay 
<laughs> because I'm I about to turn 40 in like in 2000. Well, we are in 2020, right? I'll turn 40 next year. We need to celebrate. Oh, happy birthday. Yes, we need yeah. to go out. I'll get wine. Yeah, wine. please. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Uber. <laughs> I'll just write on it, Mama's Day Out. <laughs> so I know. So you, okay, so you were adopted, you were six six months old. Yes. And you're, okay. Because that's another thing I was talking um, with the other guests, our other guests the other day is, uh, fortunately or unfortunately for my kids, they were adopted together. So that time that you have to mature as a parent with the first kid and so you don't make the same mistakes again and everything's lighter and you don't take things so seriously it didn't happen for them because they're both almost like the first child right because they were brought up to us together so yeah. chloe doesn't benefit from my learning with Bo because i'm learning with both of them at the same time so i feel like if i adopted again today and i bet you feel the same way it would be a different journey because i know kind of what to expect and the things that you know just give it a time and things that you should actually not give that time you should address as they happen and it's just well poor them they both have a mom that is raising them as the first child so yeah oh for sure like um when when we first got Mitch he was two and a half years old and we were like oh my goodness this is like the worst permanent babysitting job in the world but it's because we had never seen a phase. We had never seen the, a phase begin and end. And so if there was screaming, we would think this is forever. But no, it's just what that child's going through until that they can communicate in a different way. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the great benefits of like, if we were to have, if we were able to get another or to have another, um, is that we would know that whatever they're whatever they're dealing with, because really it, it is them dealing with it, yeah. that they will move on to something else. You know, like all these questions I'm getting sooner or later will turn into him telling me information that I don't need. And then we'll turn into something else. So it's like, (laughs) it's sort of cool to see the waves of it now. It's exciting. Just for our listeners. So Jenny um, adopted Meech, as you can um, tell. Uh, Meech uh, was two and a half years old and we kind of adopted at the same time, I think, right? It was like a few months apart, a couple of months apart. And then we adopted Bo and Chloe um, Two and a half years ago. So, yeah, it has, it, yours was a little bit before, right? I think. Uh, we got home in February, February 9th. Oh, no. So, yours was after. So, we got here, we got home um, December 2017. So, you got home in 2018? Yes. Oh, uh, okay. So, you came. I think you started the process before us. That's for sure. And then it, I think your process took a little bit longer. Yes. You know, the crazy thing is, is that Mitch, um, is actually from Wuhan, where the coronavirus is, um, it, uh, it started. started. Yeah. So had there been any issue, like, let's say that we Why got there yet. and he had some sort of reason that we didn't bring him with us, which is, it's common. You, yeah. you need to make sure you're that you're the match for that child. Um, he would have had to gone through another waiting period for another set of parents. And if that would have happened, you know, there's a chance he would have aged out of people being interested in him and he would have been there during this. Um, I know another family true. that I know was over there during SARS. So it's so crazy. You, you start to realize, um, you know, right now it feels like, oh, we helped this kid get out of this area, mm-hmm. but really he helps us understand the world a little better. It, yeah, it is true. 
Although sometimes it's difficult to see that, but it's true. <laughs> You're very Pollyanna today. <laughs> I know because I'm being like I'm being recorded, so it's like oh, good behavior. <laughs> Where's my friend that sends me like funny messages? <laughs> this like no, this, this parenting. <laughs> I was like, I should have just got more hamsters, you know. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. No, but it is very true, and I think you touched a point that is very important. I tell people a lot, like you really, it is a match. So meaning, um, sometimes it's not going to be a match. And depending on the age of the kid, the, the kid has a say. So um, it's not the same for all the countries. But usually, generally, kids uh, 12 or older, they have a say. Like if they don't want to be adopted, they won't put them through it. Or if they don't bond initially with the family, they won't force them. And it's also, you need to go through an approval phase, right? We go through a home um, home study where you might want to adopt five kids and they might come to your house and like, no, you don't have space, you don't have the finances, you don't have, you know, whatever it is, and you might not be able to. You go through so many approvals to become an adoptive parent. And I wish all the parents had to go through that. And even with that, it's difficult. Yeah. But, but yeah, not always you... Not always the plan works, right? It's like carrying a baby. Sometimes you have a miscarriage. And that's how I see it because not always it comes through the way you want or expect and it's devastating. And I think in moments like that, it's hard because who wants to say it didn't work out, right? Like especially when you say that you're adopting people have such this narrative, like this pink narrative that, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're like uh, this angel on earth. You're going to adopt. And then if it doesn't go through and then, oh, how come you abandoned that kid there? Or it's just a roller coaster. As an adoptive parent, you can't really complain about anything because everyone thinks that you should be grateful that you have the chance to be a parent. Well, anyone that's cleaned up a toddler's poop off the floor, you tell me <laughs> that you're grateful at that moment. Um, <laughs> they, and we are grateful, but it's, it's just as tough. And yeah. I'm not going to say it's tougher because being a biological parent, could you imagine you have this child that all it does is eat, sleep, poop and you're dealing with hormones and and they're physically impaired sometimes yeah so so i don't think that um one's harder than the other but i think that when you adopt a child that there's the societal pressure that you cannot complain at all about parenting no you cannot complain and what was your journey to adopt you don't need to share details of about your your health or your life but like how was your journey because it certainly for me it was not something like woke up and like oh I want to adopt certainly was not something I always wanted to do like I hear stories and I, I think they are they are honest and true like people said I always wanted that was not my case how was it for you Okay, so I can say I always wanted I can mm-hmm. say I always wanted to never go through the pain of childbirth I can't okay. say that I I, I'm with that. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah. But I just, the, the amount that a woman's body goes through is just incredible. I can't believe that humans exist because if I knew that my way. body had to go through this. I know. So, I know. so I bow down to those mothers that gave birth. Um, Me too. Those are the badass. Those are the brave ones. Yeah. And, and then they're, they're told, oh, you, 
don't worry, you'll lose the weight. It's like, really? It's more than that. Your body yeah. just got ripped in pieces. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just, I never was interested in that. And I was adopted. And so in my mind, that's just where babies came from. Babies came from airplanes. And there's actually a book about babies come from airplanes, which is really Oh, I cool. need to see that one. Yeah. I have so many adoption books. I think... Every, in the beginning, for me, it was so difficult. Uh, it was so heavy emotionally because you adopted from China, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. We adopted from Brazil. Uh, my husband does not speak Portuguese. I mean, he speaks enough to be dangerous, <laughs> but not enough to hold the conversation, especially an emotional conversation. And so all that emotional charge and weight came to me because I could communicate with them in Portuguese. It was so hard for me to explain to them things that I didn't even understand. Mm-hmm. And the whole adoption thing that I started buying books because, and I hate that, like psychologists would say to us, oh, just just say in a child's language. I was like, what the frick is a child's <laughs> language? Like, I am like, I'm clearly not a child. I clearly don't have kids. Like, can you be more specific? Oh, you know, just don't say everything. Okay, so what are the things I can't say? Well, you know, maybe just like, you know, say um, in a different way. Can you be more specific? Can you give me the words? Well, you know, and then I was like, I gave up at one point. And our social workers um, in our case in Brazil were not helpful at all. To, mm-hmm. Actually, the contrary, it made everything worse. And I started buying books. I We must have more than 30 adoption books. Did you read And them? I bought them for me, to be honest. So I <laughs> had the language to talk to them because the books are for children. So it gives you that language on how to explain the adoption, how to explain what their biological family went through without actually telling them the truth, right? Because adoption comes from loss. It cannot be a happy story, Right. People ask me all the time. Do they ask you what happened to his mom? Do they ask you that? Um, no, I, I've never had anyone ask that. But he, Mitch is also much younger. So. Yeah, and I guess too, they he physically looks like you guys. Yeah, and and I mean, I think because most of my friends know that I'm adopted because you know my last name is yeah. Januszewski, and I was I'm visually Asian looking. Um, so they just figure, oh well, you know, she just she want to do adopt. There's not much more to see, people, you know? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, no, for me, they I, I hear, like, the craziest stories, <laughs> the craziest questions that I'm like, I can't believe you asking me this. Like, and, yeah. And so, I bought those books, but I don't have that one. I, now I need to see it. Now I need another book. <laughs> you know, I bought all these books because our social workers, like, you know, anytime you ask them a question, and, and God love them, they're wonderful. And they have so many people to deal with. It's not like they're your mm-hmm. individual therapist or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they would say, oh, well, you should buy this book and this book by Karen so-and-so. And you would buy these books and you would look at them and think, wow, if I could get the child to stop screaming, I might be able to read a paragraph. <laughs> and... And you'll get one that says, give them a timeout. The other one says, do not give them a timeout. Another one that says... I know. Oh, you're talking about parenting books. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I was talking about like books, uh, adoption books for kids, like that you read, like picture books. Yeah. Yeah. Because those are the ones I would buy because they're in a language for them to understand. Yeah. I did buy parenting books though, and I get what you're saying. It's crazy. I don't know what to do. Mitch asked me because we, uh, we both act, we both share agents at the same agency so Mm -hmm. we were at a commercial audition and we had to interact with a pregnant woman Mm -hmm. and she was actually pregnant and I asked her I said can I put my hand on your belly because I have to look believable 
as they filmed me pretending to be your um, ultrasound technician. Mm-hmm. And she let me, and I explained to Mitch, there's a baby in there. It's sleeping, it's pooping, it's thinking, it's doing what it needs to do in there, in her belly. That's where they come from. And he asked me, he's, he said, did I come from yours? And I said, no, I outsourced it. I could not deal with pain. <laughs> yeah. I said, there is someone else out there that gave birth to you. Call her what you want, but she's not necessarily good or bad or great or horrible. She just, she wanted to do other things at this time in her life. And so we took over. We outsourced. We, we took over. Outsource. How do you explain outsource to a two and a half year old? Actually, now a four year old kid. Yeah, like I, it, I love that word. <laughs> like <laughs> if if you if you don't want to do something, uh, you have someone else do it, and then then they you get it from it. them. Yep, <laughs> I love it. It's like we went to the I baby store. Yeah, um, we did have a phase where they said they wanted to be born from me, like from my tummy, and I would like uh, lift my shirt and say, "Come here, come here! I'll have, I will be your um, mama kangaroo. I can carry Aww. you on my pouch." Um, it was a very short phase, but they went through that. Like it's a, it's a small regression. Um, they went through that a little bit in the beginning. So wait a second, did you say our agency? So now Mitch also has an agency? Yeah, yeah. He actually, he booked um, a small part in a movie. And then he also, he just got booked in a student film as well, a grad film. And then he was about to, um, he was about to book a commercial. He was put on hold for it. Uh, mm-hmm. But this whole thing happened. And I'm grateful that they put the commercial on hold because the director had just flown in from Europe. Um, and he was, he was very responsible when we went to the callback, the director did, um, he watched us on his computer. He didn't even come in the room. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I just realized that I jumped, I skipped a huge part of this podcast because I began, I mean, I just start talking to you and I just can't get carried away. You're so interesting. Um, Tell us about what you do. Sorry. That's what I start. Like, who is Jenny? Like, what do you do? Because you're also very interesting. Oh, thank you so much. I'm not that interesting. I used, um, you know, I, I used to have a life. Uh, people are, um, what do you mean? What do I do? I'm a stay I know you were a mom. I understand that. But I just recently found out that you are all the things too. I'm like, what? I, like, I'm on day 739 of self-isolation. <laughs> it's like, everyone's like, oh, I have to stay home. I'm like, I am always here with the same food, with the same company. Life has not changed for me. I am with a, a so- roommate that is very like moody. Right. So was, <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, that's your job. I'm like, yeah, my coworker is that one that keeps asking questions. <gasps> And then you have to wipe his butt. Oh um, my God, it's hilarious. So before I did this, I, I did a variety of things. I, I still have an agent. I still go on auditions. Um, I recently took some classes at UCLA, uh, for writing, um, because I realized that I like, I like learning about people and mm-hmm. I like character development, not just being on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, Pretty much what I do, I used to also work in uh, post-production. I used to work mm-hmm. for Technicolor, um, which is sort of cool because my husband is an editor at one of the larger networks. So Wait, what? I didn't know oh, that. You didn't know that? Uh-uh. Yeah. I was looking for an editor for Veta Head. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, he, he's an editor at FX Networks, which is now part of Disney. Oh, wow. Yeah. I had he, no idea. In the other room working. Oh, so wait, so you are an actress, but you also a director. You are also a photographer. 
And yeah. you're about to be a cinematographer. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to keep yourself busy and you have to keep yourself creative. I think that when you stop being creative, and it doesn't have to be in the arts. Um, yeah. It can even be creative thinking, doing Sudoku. Uh, when you stop that is when you get old. That is true. That is true. Yeah, and I can't not... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I cannot not multitask. And I, I'm already looking like with vet ahead, starting a new thing. And I, I, th I said to myself once, you know, it was like, once I graduate vet school, that's it. And then I was like, no, I'm going to do a master's degree. Well, when I, once I'm done with that, that's it. And then PhD, well, I'm done with that. And then I decided to move here. I had to validate my diploma and had to do a residency and then sit for boards. I was like, no, that's it. And now I'm like, why don't we start a company? Right? I have all this time. Like, what a, the time that I don't actually have, but. And now, and now you're a podcast personality at the same time. It is so cool to, to podcast because what you just said about learning about people's journeys, it is, there's not a person, I cannot remember a person that I sat down with that I actually listened to that person that I, I didn't leave like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like, when you take the time to ask questions and listen, you leave mesmerized. Like there's nobody's journey that is boring or not interesting. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. The other day I was talking to my colleague and I found out so much about how upbringing and I was like, I can't believe you went through all of that. And you wouldn't tell. You would never tell. And it just it reminds you to take time to get to know people. Like in, um, in a place I used to work, uh, there was a woman that was in charge of cleaning the mm -hmm. area she worked in maintenance and you know she was just this happy-go-lucky person but if you get to know her and you find out oh you came from el salvador oh you were there when when the, all the bombings happened and oh you oh, were wow. in the bank during that time and you realize that these people have these journeys that they've come to look come to be part of their life and, and they forget that they went through it and you're like wow i had no idea that you You had gone through all that. Yeah. Edit that so it sounds better, please. <laughs> no, that sounds amazing. And, and I think, you know what? The coronavirus, that's what it's doing, right? That's what yeah. it's doing to all of us. It's, telling, it's saying pause. It's saying, you know, get to know people. Uh, enjoy your time. Take time. Because even though we have time now, I can't be productive. I don't know about you. It's just, it's a different type of time because it's not like regular time. We're having to adjust and having to look at things and not take things for granted and really worrying about people's health and worrying that people can die. And that's not a worry you walk through your life with. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, is my father going to die today? Is like, you know, my grandparents are 80 something. Are they going to die? Is it happening? Like, that's not something you walk and think all the time. But now we are. And so I'm calling them more often. I'm trying to listen to them more often. I mean, my grandmother is my favorite person in the Aww. entire, like she's my favorite person by far. This tattoo on my arm is like actually her, like the <gasps> oh flower she goodness. likes. Yeah. And that's why that. I did it because I want to have a piece of her with me. And, but like, you know, I'm, I'm taking more of the time and I like calling her. I have so many good memories, like drinking wine with my grandmother and she's telling me the stories. Um, Before I came to United States in 2011, I, I was waiting for my visa and you don't know when it's going to be. And so I sold my practice. I left my apartment and I went to temporarily live with them, my grandparents, because I didn't know I could live in a week or in three months. So I had to be ready. And so it was one of the best times of my life because every night we would drink wine 
the three of us, and they had this diary, which they gave me as a um, wedding gift. It's a small diary for their first year together, because at that time, you don't date, really. You get engaged, and then you get married, right? And so the, the diary is, uh, both of them wrote the diary together, and so each page is one of them. And my my grandfather is in the mil- was in the military, and my grandmother was going to school at the time, is a, a Catholic, only for girls' school. And so they would write about, today I saw him. We went for ice cream or, wow, today we went to the movies, which was a big event. And so we, every night, it was a whole year, a diary, the whole year. And then every night we would read a passage of the, the diary and drink wine together. And I learned so much about it. It was like, it was magical. That's and so, so I have beautiful. it now. Yeah. And then on the diary, which is even more like amazing, they talk about like this one page my grandmother says, today he gave me my first gift. So he gave her and she writes what it is. Um which is a pen because she was going to school to be a professor, a teacher, right? As women did at that time. So she, she, um, he gave her a pen with her name engraved. And then the next, like the next few weeks, she, she he's, he writes that she gave him a gift, which was a letter opener because there was no email, obviously. They wrote letters to each other. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so both of them leave the kitchen and then they come back and they have it. That is so beautiful. So as my wedding gift, they gave me the diary, the pen, and the letter opener. Oh my goodness, that is so amazing and wonderful. Isn't that amazing? I know. And so I have that. And when we evacuated for the fires last year, mm-hmm. or the year before, was it last year? No, it was last year, right? Yeah. That we evacuated, like the big fire. That was the only thing I took. Aww. I went there to the box, I got that, and I left. Oh my goodness, that is just beautiful. Are they in Brazil now? Still? Mm-hmm. They in Brazil with my father now, like protect because my father lives in a rural area, mm-hmm. so they are there where there is no ca- there are no cases yet. Did you get to see her when you were down there adopting? Uh, so when we adopted, yes and no. We adopted. <laughs> our adoption was not smooth, oh, yeah. and um, yeah, it was very very hard. And we, he was so confusing, and because they were older. They also didn't, well, we didn't see ourselves as parents and they didn't see us as their parents. Mm-hmm. Nothing, there was nothing bad about it. It's just like, we are strangers. That's what it is. We, you are a stranger and you can't force love. Like, you just, I don't know about you, but those stories you see like, oh my God, I looked at their picture and I fell in love. <laughs> that was my kid. No, I looked at the pictures like, oh, I feel like I should love them, but I don't. And I, it's just a picture. And then we met them and, and then he, there was so much trauma happening, so many things that we told everybody, you know, you can come, but just very briefly and we need to be really um, alone and together as like the, just us. And so they got to see them briefly for like two, three days, but not as I would love to have them actually nurturing them. But we went to Brazil after that and they came here. So they got to be grand, uh, great grandparents. Oh, wonderful. But, how about you? Like you, your adoption, you go to China and then you, you go, you don't spend any time there, right? You come back right away. We actually, right? Or do you spend time there? We, we had to spend, we were required to spend two weeks there. We added another week just so that, um, you know, if you're going to fly that far, you might as well see Beijing, see the Great Wall, mm-hmm. see um, the Forbidden City. But once once we got there, we realized how how differently things are done. Not better, not worse, just differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just an amazing place, but it's creating a bond with a child 
it is challenging whether you give birth or not. I've heard of, I have plenty of friends that have biological children that didn't even bond with them for years, no matter yes. how much they tried. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, and then you start to feel guilt if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do so when you're not in your, in the comfort of your home, like even though you were in a country that you were born in. Oh, it's so different. You weren't it's in your so home different. with your own yeah. stuff. So here we are in a, um, in a hotel in, in a place that we don't have any familiar foods. Well, some familiar foods and we didn't have our familiar surroundings. We couldn't just do our laundry whenever we wanted to. We had this child that you don't speak the language. Not at all. And, and not everyone in the world speaks English. Um, and then you have this child that's crying because they're confused. And then they decide to hide behind curtains and poop. It's like, wow, I did really? not know that humans <laughs> did that. Like, why are you behind the curtain giggling? Oh, that's why. <laughs> and, and we have these periods. And for people that aren't familiar with foreign adoption, and I'm not sure how domestic adoption works, but mm. for foreign, you're required to spend usually at least a week to three weeks and sometimes even do two trips to the country. Mm-hmm. to um they want to make sure that you bond with the child and i didn't realize it first because of, when i first signed up for it i thought oh well of course you're going to take the child no matter what because you have to grow to bond but it is just so valuable to go over and experience the difference between the cultures and that um the food smells different that they're going through such a big change yeah it's yeah, and, cool. and also he um, he was two and a half. So even, I don't know if he was already speaking Chinese, but if he wasn't, if he was, you guys couldn't understand each other. And he had to learn a whole new language. And those sounds were so foreign to him. Yeah. And his sounds were so foreign to you. And it is crazy. And I think if I, give, if I could give one advice about adoption, I would say, if you can choose, choose a country that does require you to spend time there. Because I know yeah. some countries you just pick up the kid and go. And I know some countries they even fly the kid to you. And I would say, you know, it's not magical. And you do need to bond with them. And when I say bond, do not expect to leave loving them or them loving you. It's not like that. Everybody laughing with a margarine commercial. That's not what it is. <laughs> but at least to make sure that you can live together right you know you can build the bond throughout time it takes time yeah. for uh, at least for me i would say that was like a eight month mark for yeah. me to start loving them i always cared for them deeply but to start loving to feel like the warmth in my heart it took me about eight months to start and then throughout like a year, like that eight months to 12 months, that's when I really started like feeling that feeling more and more and more often and for longer periods of time until the point that I felt like their mom. Like, okay, now I love you. For me, it took longer. It, t- it, it was when Kobe Bryant and his daughter um, passed away in the helicopter accident. It just yeah. really hit me that you... You don't know if something's going to happen to you and if you gave that child all the lessons that you need and all the love that it needs, or if something happens to them, what were the last things you said to them? What was, you know, yeah. how how did you help this person live their life? So that was the wake-up call for me. That's, um, so it took, it took me a legit two years to really, to really fall in love with Mitch, but also, um, one thing that we really weren't prepared for is that when you adopt a foreign child or a child from a foreign country, um, 
they prepare you for the cultural differences. Okay, so a two and a half year old doesn't really get yeah, of culture. Yeah. 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 So but they didn't prepare us for the idea we were getting a child in their terrible twos. And after the terrible twos, it's the terrible threes and the F and fours. So <laughs> no one told us about that. And, and you would think that we would have experienced that, but neither of us had babysat before. So uh, The same with me. Yeah. Maybe and, a babysat, like, I mean, maybe my cousins briefly, but no, I never had to change diapers or, or really care for an entire afternoon or entire day. Yeah. Like, I never knew, like, why are you afraid to get on a toilet? I, you know, all those I things. I know it's a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to eat you. Um, <gasps> but I guess logically, if you think of it from a kid's point of view, part yeah. of me went in it and now it's gone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It stole my insides. So I, you know, these things that oh might be God. common to other people, like we just didn't get, we were that couple. Um, but you do, you do fall in love with it, your, your children. Yeah. Yes. But I do. Uh, yeah. I want to, I, I'm so glad you're being dishonest because it's not, it's at least my experience and the experience of people that adopted at the same time we did. It's not that quick. It's not that yeah. actually in the beginning, I am pretty sure I had post adoption depression. Like, I'm pretty, the reason I say I'm pretty sure is because I wasn't diagnosed, diagnosed by a doctor. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of read about it in, after the fact. I read about it and was like, oh, maybe that's what I had. And, you know, it was, it was, and I couldn't, I didn't have anyone that had experienced the same thing I was experiencing. And, The people that could actually truly help us were um, two families that adopted before us mm -hmm. because they also adopt. Because our adoption, every adoption is unique, right? And so our adoption was like older kids and um, kids that also have their biological family and biological siblings. And, you know, not everybody's available for adoption. Not everybody's like the situation is so much more complicated than people think. Mm -hmm. And you just can't just go. You can't just go there and save everybody. People don't want to be saved. And people are not available to be saved. And there's so many laws. There's so many regulations, especially when it comes to international adoption. There's so many things that have to be established before a kid can even be considered yeah. for adoption. And so it was a hard road to go. Um, and I ju we just didn't have anyone that had, had gone through the exact same thing. But we had two families that went through similar things and they were very helpful. But like my family, my biological family weren't very helpful because just not nothing bad, but you just didn't go through it. But I know you had a different experience, right? You, your parents came and helped with Mitch a lot or it was. Well, they came, they came for two weeks, which I'm so grateful for. It's tough because grandparents they fall in love with the children so easy and so fast and then oh really you know they let them get away with anything because they're they're the precious grandchild <laughs> oh wow you know but but we are so fortunate that they came down to help both both sets of grandparents i mean i'm really blessed with wonderful in-laws and wonderful parents of my own um i just wanted to to circle around to something that you had yes, said about please do about the um, helping or saving children or, or them helping and saving you, that people forget that there are some children that you are not meant to help, that someone yes. else is meant to help. It, and, and I'm not comparing them to our fur family members, but uh, this is the analogy I can offer is you, when you foster a dog, you invite that dog into your home and you see if they're a good fit. And mm -hmm. if that dog 
is something that you can't handle, then it is more beneficial for that for that wonderful Rottweiler to go to a different home. Um, especially, let's say you have cats or a hamster and you think that Rottweiler is going to eat them. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a different family yeah. for that. And same yeah. with children. If there's a child that has such high special needs or has a history of violence or something, and if that's your journey, that's great. But if there's any part of you that thinks, I can't handle that, there is a family that is made for you that child. You need to be honest with yourself. You yeah. need to. That's what something I would say. You have to be honest with yourself. I'm so glad you said that. And and some kids, like, I don't know how it was for you, but even our agency would be like, no, this child has to be the only child in the household, or this child yeah. cannot be. They would look like if you already have children, they can be the older, they can be the youngest. Like, they even look at things like that. Like, what would be the best fit for the kid? Yeah. Like, in terms of a household. So, it is tough. Yeah. I don't know if I overcame all my traumas yet, but hearing that makes me tear because it is, you're right. It is, you're very right. You're very right. There was one, um, because we went as a group, you know, you, mm-hmm. you go to the foreign country, you might see one or two other people um, adopting from your agency. And then you go to another city, at least for our situation, since we weren't in the capital, to go through the process of the consulate, to get all the papers, the medical, mm-hmm. um, to get out of the country. And so we took a trip to the zoo with a bunch of the other parents. And we actually had to bring up to one of the um, adoption agency representatives that person is paired with a kid that they can't handle. They were, the, the child was getting into situations where they could have, um, they could have died. They, oh wow. Yeah. The person wasn't, was so resentful of getting there, not feeling a bond right away. We uh-huh. think that, um, she let the child walk around a pond unattended. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, I think that there's so much pressure on, oh, you made it this far. You have to take the child yeah. or, you're a bad person if you don't. If society would just understand that you're doing the child a favor by saying um, you would be better with someone else, um, that that little girl or little boy would have a a safer situation. I would even say sometimes, like, don't tell people you're adopting. Or, like, like you know how you don't tell people you're pregnant until you are, like, I don't, I don't know, a quarter, like, three months in or whatever. Yeah. Because you, you might have a miscarriage and you don't want to tell everybody. I would say it's, con- it's kind of the same thing because you don't know the outcome. And when you are... Ad- when you were, I don't know for you, but for us, everybody was like, oh my God, you're a savior, a savior. And if that doesn't work, so what that makes you? Right. What I, is the opposite of a savior? Oh, uh, yeah. I never right? thought of it so, that way. Yeah. So I think, and, and you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, we, you know, the way it, you don't choose a child. I, I don't know if people know that, but you don't see a lot of pictures and choose a child. They match you with the child. Yeah. It's kind of e-harmony for adoption. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they look at everything about you, everything about your family, everything about the kid and what they need. And they, they, are, they are worried about the kid, not about you. And so right. they just want to make sure you are a good fit. And so they are the ones suggesting what kid will be, or kids in our case, will be a good fit for you. And, and yeah. it's not like you... You look at albums and you say, oh, this one. Right. And you have to be very honest about, um, like when you're filling out the paperwork, oh, I wouldn't, I couldn't take a child with this condition. You know, there's someone else that is looking for a child with that condition because maybe it's a condition they have. Yes. Um, Yes. And yeah. You're right. You go through the paperwork feeling like a total jerk, but you have to be honest. You took the 
you took the words from them, like they ask you everything on that form like like can they have they can have can they have missing toes missing fingers can they have webbed fingers can they have um like whatever like can they missing a our arm or a chair uh, or a leg or like they literally ask you everything like mental conditions violence aggression whatever it is like they ask you everything that you never even consider you have to answer right because the it, Yeah, it is hard. They should make biological parents fill out the same paper. I know. <laughs> Because it, it is, you don't know what's coming, right? Yeah. You don't know. You don't yeah. know. Was your mom um, able to provide you any guidance or like in the adoption? Did she give you any? Because she's been through that four times. Well, you know, she's. I asked her, how did you get through parenting? And she said, uh, cigarettes and gin and tonics. So, mom. What is your mom's name? Her name, her name is Genevieve, but she goes by her middle name, Jane. And she is like Jane. the most awesome best friend I have. Are you being um, serious? Yeah. We talk to each other probably about four times a day, you know. Just like if something's funny on TV, I'm like, hey, guess what I saw, you know? Oh, I love that. Yeah. And how was your experience, if you don't mind me asking, being an adoptee? Because when I start looking at adoptee stories on, on YouTube, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't take it because some of them are very, which I, I'm not, you know, everyone has their own stories and their reasons and I'm not, you know, trying to say anything opposed to that but some of them don't seem to be happy about adoption some of them will say I would not advise people to adopt and that I just can't take that I just can't take it it's like hearing my kids saying that which is my biggest fear Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll say it because they're kids and they'll know it pushes your buttons yeah, yeah. but I, I, I will <laughs> see some adults talking like about adoption like mm-hmm. as adoptees already an adult talking about their adoption story which again each story is different you know I'm not here to judge I think that's the word I was looking for judge but some of them are very resentful and and it's just like how I, I don't and some of them are very light hard like yeah I'm adopting so what And like, how is that experience? And and if you feel like, again, I don't want to push you if you don't want to go that route. We can't, we don't need to talk about it, but. Oh, I um, talk about anything. I'm narcissistic. You do? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. How's um, that for you? So for, for me, um, I mean, it just, it is, it is what it is. I've, I've never wondered about biological family or anything like that. Um, I've never felt any type of loss, but I also was, I'm also with amazing parents. Now, if you're someone who doesn't have a strong relationship with your parents, you might think, what if, but what if the first set of parents were even worse? You know, it's always, it's easier. But the fantasy surpasses everything, right? Because that's what it's like, you know, when a guy, like when you're a teenager and you're texting with this guy and they don't, they don't answer you back. You're like, maybe he ran out of battery. Like, no, they just don't want to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that book he's just not into is so true. I know. I know. It is. Yeah. The sad thing is my mom gave me that book once. Um, yeah. So here's my theory is that I, Totally, I feel awful um, for people that feel an emptiness or have questions, but I feel like, and maybe this is an ignorance take on it, I feel like if someone is going to dwell on that and let it rule their life, if they were not adopted, they would dwell on something else and let it rule their life. So it's, it's like you have this thing, but how do you as an individual decide to digest it? How do you decide to 
um, apply it to your life. And I'm the type of person that whether I'm a biological child or an adopted child, I don't necessarily, I'm not someone that dwells. And it's not mm-hmm. to criticize someone that does dwell because some people have like um, chemical or emotional challenges. Yeah, they have different journeys, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have nothing negative to say about adoption. My Both of my siblings, um, my brothers, looked up their biological families. Um, and one of them found out things about their family members that they didn't like, like a history of illness, uh, mental illness. Um, another sibling has a relationship with his biological mother, but I don't even know if, if I can say this because it's his story, you know, yeah. but, but they're, um, but the relationship isn't what he had perhaps fantasized it would be. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so, is, how is their relationship with your mom? With their mom too, obviously. But uh, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just put this out there. I only speak to my sister. You know, I haven't talked to one of my brothers for twenty years, and I haven't spoken to my other brother. I, I actually emailed the the one that's a veterinarian, um, and and I said I'm consciously unsibling you. Because the best way to do things is like Gwyneth Paltrow, because it's like, whoa, let me just slap it a little harder. Um, <laughs> I am consciously unsibling you. I've decided not to talk to you anymore. So, and, and I'm fine with that. I don't uh-huh. even dwell on that. Uh-huh. Um, but it's, but I am convinced that even if they were biological siblings of mine, we still wouldn't talk. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm a, a, I mean, I don't know about your particular case. And thank <laughs> you for sharing that. But I agree with you. I, I don't think blood closed those gaps. Yeah. Like, I don't think, like you said, you don't choose them, right? Right. You, you, I don't think, I don't think, yeah, I definitely don't think it can happen in my family. There are several cases like that. Yeah. And and that was another thing that people would say, oh, but you don't know what's going to be. You're adopting. You don't know that child. And it's an older child. It has a past. It was like everybody has a past. And everybody, you know what I mean? I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to be naive. It, it does. You need, you need to be prepared for something you cannot prepare, which is dealing with someone's loss. It's awful to watch that because yeah. my kids were older, so they did grieve. And not in a bad way. Like, not that they, they never, actually, they are very grateful which is odd to me too, and I want to talk about that because I don't want them to be grateful because yeah. what happened to them was terrible. Like, why are we grateful? Like, you know what I mean? I understand. How can I put this? Yes, I want them to express gratitude towards life and not take things for granted, but I don't want them to think that they need to be grateful to us. Everybody needs to be grateful to their parents. I'm saying extra grateful just because they were adopted. Does yeah. that make sense what I'm saying? They don't need to feel like they owe you anything or that Correct. they're indebted to you. They are equal to you, not less. Exactly, that you nailed it. So um, how was that for you? Like, do you, how did your mom explain adoption to you? Because I'm going to use, I need to talk to your mom. My, my mom's white and, and I'm not. So, <laughs> so, well, so tell me, because that's my reality. I'm considered white and my yeah. kids are black. How how was that? You know what? There's this poem that's on the first page of my baby book, oh. and it, it's something I don't I don't know the exact poem, but it's about something like you didn't grow under my heart, but you grew in it. Hmm. Like the poem's much better than I'm reciting. <laughs> <laughs> There's more words to this this uh, poet. Um, uh-huh. So I've sort of always known, like they kept all the newspaper clippings. They I I have I have things. In fact. Um, 
a couple of years ago, I met the nun who brought me to America because I was in an orphanage in Asia. And so the nun had to um, sign off and officially put her name as being my mom in order to get me to America to be adopted by my mom and dad. So I've gone through, I always tell my mom, three's the charm. I had to go through three moms to get her. Oh. <laughs> I do want this. Can you snap a picture of this poem later and send it to me? Oh, for we sure. Have a, we have a segment on the podcast. It's called uh, The Honest Mistake. So after the podcast, everything we might have said that is wrong. Like, let's say we... We we say something, say like, oh, women are um, minorities, like they are less women in the world than men. And then I will look it up and make sure that the information is correct. And then I, I will say that on the segment sure. at the end. So at the end, I actually want to recite the poem because I think I need to hear it. And I'm sure a lot of people need to hear it, too. Oh, sure. That would be awesome. And I'm... Um there, there's something that I think is inevitable to come up when, when you adopt children is sooner or later, whether it's for drama's sake or if they actually feel it and wonder it, sooner or later they're going to say, they didn't want me. And that's going to be a big conversation. And I've decided that, you know, and, and I've spoken to the husband about this, that, that honesty is good, that yeah. they didn't want the I responsibility. Agree 100%. Yeah. And not wanting the responsibility is different than wanting a human that they don't even know the personality of. And if they didn't want you, that's fine, too. There are a lot of people in the world that are not going to want you. And there are a lot of people that are going to want you. So let's focus on the ones that do. You know what I learned? Uh, because, again, we are looking to when you adopt from Brazil, at least now, things might change with the years. But now, if you adopt internationally, um, you can only adopt uh, older kids uh, yeah. internationally. Because the babies and younger kids are adopted nationally. So we knew going on, going in, that we were not going to be able to adopt a baby or an infant or a toddler. Like, right? They were very honest. Like, it's going to be eight years and above, ten. Like, that's, like, usually the age. Um, so we read many reports. And in these reports, you will have reports about the biological, usually the biological mom. Um, and you start reading this story of these moms and because Brazil is a third world country, poverty is everywhere. And then you start reading these stories and one of them, which is not the story of my kids, um, but one of them really marked me was this um, report. The social worker comes talking about the, the biological mom and the biological kids, which the, the kids were the one, the ones being placed for adoption. And, but it talks and, and the social worker goes like, oh, so kid A has this in this problem kid be blah 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 and the biological mom and then there's a pause in the report is like and literally she the, the social worker wrote like this wait i recognize this name and then she comes back and writes i just found the records i was the social worker when this biological mom was 12 oh, wow. and was raped and was on the streets and using drugs because he was like abandoned by the family blah 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 and you go like wait a second I went into this thinking what mom would do that and I left saying I would have done worse mm -hmm. because it's very easy for me and the privilege that I have today to say what and I can tell you with all my heart I am a hundred percent sure and I tell that to my kids and I really truly believe it that their biological mom truly loved them yeah. you know and I just don't think Maybe it wasn't even a conscious decision, but I don't know. I don't know her, and I don't know much of her, but I can tell she loved them by what they tell me. And um, I think for her, it must have been so destructive 
and you know yeah. not a lot of not a lot of biological parents actually place kids for adoption a lot of them get them taking them from and again that's not my kids story necessarily but in the United States I can tell you the majority of kids that are for adoption they they are they are available for adoption because of negligence because mm-hmm. the state took them from their biological families it was not like they were well in a way they were abandoned but like it's not like someone left them in the door of a you know of a um, fireplace or whatever the fireman or the fire station which is very common in in China a lot oh, of the it? kids yeah a lot of the um parents had the the list of the finding places um so some of them were left in alleys Mitch was found in a hospital so whoever oh, wow. his biological parent was or parents there had to be two right yeah um they went into the hospital and put him there a week after he was born. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're fortunate that we can say this person made this effort. But then it's like, what do you tell the child who was yeah, it's left difficult. Yeah, it's somewhere? very difficult. No, even any story is difficult to tell. Any story. I don't think there's a happy story. But mm-hmm. adoption starts from loss. It is beautiful. I don't want to discourage anyone to adopt. I really don't. I would adopt. A- would you adopt again? You know. <laughs> no, no, I'm not asking if you want to have more kids. But oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's not what I'm asking. Like, if we think you don't have Mitch, would you adopt? Um, but, oh, yeah. Like, there's no way in hell I want to give birth. I mean, like, okay. I admire those people, but, like, well, <laughs> no. Um, I will say one thing that I don't know if you've heard this yet, but you will get people saying, they'll say something really polite, like, um, Oh, I think it's beautiful that you can adopt. I couldn't because like, I just, I love looking in my child's eyes and I see my eyes. I hear that all the time. I know. And it's like, that's so weird and narcissistic. Like you, you love your child because you can see your own eyes. Maybe there's something there that I'm not getting. And that's not all biological people that that's just the few people that say that comment that it's, but it's can you believe they're saying that to you? Like, I know they know you adopt. (laughs) They know you don't look alike, and they are saying yeah. those things to you. Like to me, I'm like just looking, like I can, I can believe this is happening. Like, yeah, like, and when my when it's a close friend or something, and they don't realize what they said, yes. I can always joke with them and say, "Well, hell, if I looked like you, I would not want a child that like looked like me. I would just adopt." But and then they yeah. usually laugh and they get what yeah. they said. Yeah. Um. So, but but on the other hand, it's like. Just like they can't imagine what it's like to adopt, we probably can't imagine what it's yeah, like. Yeah, I can't. The I cannot. I cannot. Yeah, zero. The can you talk to my kids? Of- well, you know what? When my kids are teenagers, I'm gonna send them to your house so you can have these conversations with them. So I don't have to. Oh, you can. They're welcome here. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you're questioning your adoption. Go talk to Jenny. Go talk to Aunt Jenny. She will explain oh, everything to you. <laughs> send them with a bottle of wine. And oh, I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, I will certainly do that. It is. I've heard like I know that people. I should say some people don't say that maliciously, but I've heard so many things. Everybody asks if my kids are biological siblings, and like, no, they're siblings. They see them like, mm-hmm. are they siblings? I was like. They are both my kids, so yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no. I'm asking if they are like biologically related. I was like, again, they are my kids. They are siblings. No, I understand. Like they keep insisting. I'm like, what part of this? Like, this is not. Do I ask if your kids are biological? If you had sex with the milk guy, or <laughs> not even a thing like right now, but the male man. Like that's so rude to ask. And other things that I hear all the time because we don't look alike at all is. Although I wish I we did, because my kids are so gorgeous. <laughs> they and, are, uh, and so are you. 
they are so thank you, but they're so gorgeous. They eat so much and they are so energetic and happy. They're happy all the time. Like, how can you be happy at six o'clock in the morning? I wish I was like that. <laughs> but um, they asked me, oh, so what happened with their mom? I'm like, I'm right here. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> and then they say, no, I'm talking about the real mom. Uh, in that case, I'm still here. And yeah. they're like, no, I know, I know. But I'm like, the real mom. They give birth to them. I'm like, and then one time I, I said that. <laughs> I think that's going to be my answer from now on. I was like, what did you do with your placenta? And they go like, what? I was like, yeah. Did you eat it? Did you freeze it? <laughs> did you throw it out? It's like, that's rude. I was like, no, you're asking me something way more rude than that. Like, yeah. like I don't ask you if you had a C-section or a natural birth or if you ate your placenta afterwards. Why are you? Like, I can't believe people ask me those things. It's yeah, crazy. But the, the important thing is they don't mean poorly. They I just know. don't know. But, but uh, you know. But it triggers like, me. I know, right? And that's why we drink. Hey, that's very we fine drink. wine. That's why we yeah. drink. <laughs> it's not even fine wine. It's Costco wine, which I'm sure they sell like fine wine. But mine is like in the ten dollar, eleven dollar range. So is it, you know what to do. Look for, if it's a Chianti. Look for the one with a little. Um, it's a black rooster. And mm. in order to get out of the region and to be considered drinkable, it has to be certified. It will have a little black rooster on it. Mm, see, mm -hmm. I'm learning more from you. So fascinating. So much about Trader Joe's wine. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that sad? But I, um, when did you um, start feeling like a mom? Like, did you? Because I didn't. I felt like a luxury babysitter for the longest time. You know, I still sometimes feel like a luxury babysitter. I feel like a mom when he hurts himself and needs to be comforted. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't hold him every time he cries. Um, be no, me neither. I say snap out of it. If it's something silly, I was like, no, 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 right. no, 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 snap out of it. Let's go. I, I, I go, you did that to yourself. Um, I wait until he asks me. Um, uh -huh. just I want him to understand that we always, you know, he's a young man, he always has to ask if he's if he wants, he has to know that he can choose whether or not to get a hug from me, you mm -hmm. know. Um, oh, that's awesome. So, I think when he wants a hug from me, he'll put his arms out. And, and that's when I feel like a mom. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, and awesome. as I clean the bathroom that's floor, awesome. and, and that's when I feel like a maid. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Both perspectives. Yeah. And I read this book. It's like, do the stance and put your hands on your hip, wide feet, and use a deep voice. And I'm like, okay, okay. Then I feel like a drill sergeant, but I'm cool with it. Uh, yeah. I know it's crazy. Yeah. I apologize to them all the time, like when I'm too hard on them or something. Like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. It's okay, mommy. It took them a long time to actually call his mom and dad. Really? Well, they're older. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, and again, when I talked about the social workers, I mean that the social workers in Brazil were not helpful. The ones here were extremely helpful. But um, in the beginning, they said, oh, no, they need to have their own time. You know, don't force them into that. And three months in, they were calling us Lila and Steven. And I was like, you know what? I'm not Lila. I'm mom. And he's dead. And they were like, what? I was like, yeah, from now on, you call me mom and you call him dad. I'm like, crap, like, crap with this psychology thing. Like, this is not helping <laughs> because it really makes a difference when they call you mom. After that, like, there was a three awkward day phase even for me to hear the word yeah. mom but then after that we actually start bonding because the words have have power yeah and so 
they would call me Lila. Lila would be like, I, I don't know any Lila. <laughs> and then they would like giggle and like, mom. And I'll like, look at them, you know. And But I literally say, hey, from now on, I'm mom and he's dad. Yeah. And then today, sometimes they were like, Lila. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and they laugh, like, mom, you know. But it, I, we, I, I don't know if that's right or wrong. And again, it's, I think it's different for every family. Yeah. But yeah. I, I had to put my foot down like, no, I'm, I'm your mom. It's written right here in this paper. I'm your mom. Yeah, and it's a title <laughs> of, of gentle authority. I mean, your job is to, to teach them things and, and to make sure that they, they're safe. And the best way to do that is let them know that you're mom. Yeah, it is true. Um, tell me, um, to, we get into the end of our podcast. I feel like I can talk to you for like days in a row, but what, in your whole journey, I always ask my guests, like, what are you most proud of in your life? It doesn't have to be about your kid. It doesn't have to be about, you know, being a mom or anything. But what, looking back, you're most proud of? Oh, my relationship with my parents. Yeah. Really? Because oh, we are so, awesome. like, in some ways, we're very similar. Like, my mom and I, we can just chat forever. Um, but politically and religious belief are very different. And the idea that they raised me in a way where we can have such opposite, um, like extreme opposite ideas of things, but still remain close and respectful to each other. Um, that, that's something I'm very proud of because, um, because I think parents get judged so fast. And, mm -hmm. and I've learned that, you know, this is, they're not new parents. They've had us for a while. You know, I'm not going to say what age I am, mm -hmm. but when I was in my twenties, that was their first time being the parent of their youngest being in their twenties. And when mm -hmm. I, when I went into my thirties, that was their first time being a parent where all the, their children were over 30. So I'm proud of maintaining a good relationship with my mom and dad. Are you religious? No, not at all. They are. My dad is a Catholic fundamentalist. Okay. Um, okay. and I went to, I'm not anti-religion. I believe in God, mm -hmm. but I, um, I just, I, I don't, I don't physically go to church. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. and, but you were raised Catholic, oh, right? Oh, I've had, from I've what you're 14 telling. years of Catholic school. Yes, I'm confirmed. Are, were you raised Catholic? Um, initially, very briefly. So I was baptized and because, uh, um, Brazil, I think is the nation that has more Catholics mm -hmm. ever. Like I think the majority of people are. Catholics, definitely a very religious country. Definitely everybody is a Christian. I, not everybody, sorry. Majority of the population is Christian. Um, and then my and then my mom has. It's a religion that I don't even know if it exists here. It's like it's called like spiritism. Mm -hmm. Like they believe in spirits and reincarnation and whatnot. And so that and then kind of we start following that until I think my 15s, 16s, when I really had more sense of myself and looked at everything. I was like, this makes zero sense. And then since then, I slowly progressed from not believing the religion, but still believing God to like not believing God yeah. altogether. I, I'm not anti-religion. I think religion, it's a great thing for certain people, might not be great for other people. I, I'm, I'm pro-choice. Uh -huh. You choose what makes yeah. you happy. I can go to any church. I think any religion is fascinating. I love learning about them. It just doesn't make sense to me, to my lifestyle. Yeah. Do you but, want to know something yeah. funny? Do, do you remember yes. our hamster sitter? Well, we were in China, or maybe it was when we were in Michigan. Our hamster sitter brought biscuit in um, mm -hmm. because she had the, the 
tooth issue and she was bleeding out of her uterus. Um, and that wonderful soul drove across town in LA traffic. She's a Satanist. And so people think Satanists are these horrible things. Um, like she doesn't sit, sit worshiping Satan. Um, she said Mm -hmm. it's more of a play on words and stuff like that and joke, Mm -hmm. but yeah. So it's like, I never want to say that any one religion is good or bad, but people could have. Are you telling me like, can you tell, like, you see that person that drove across town for a hamster, you telling me that person is not kind. Right. 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 And like someone might say, oh, is it your Satan is like you, you, I don't know, belong to that or whatever it is. Are you kidding me? This person cares for a living being that is not even hers and drove across town. Yeah, and and it's like, I don't think there's any good or bad religion. There's just good or ill-intentioned people. Yes, I agree with you. I agree. You're so fascinating. We need to have a double. We need to do this again. For the season two, we need to do the You know, if, that, if, if we can use that as our excuse to hang out again, because we've been planning to hang out for so long. I know. And it's, Isn't that And horrible? it's like, we are even on the same side of the it hill. It takes a podcast. But the idea yeah. of driving in LA traffic, we're like, oh, I'll see you next year. It takes me 45 minutes to get to your yeah. house. <laughs> and we are what? Like, we are we 10, 15 miles yeah. away? Yeah. It takes me 45 minutes. You know what? Maybe season two, I should do... The people they interview with their parents. Because <gasps> I'm finding out that their parents are so interesting that I, I must interview the parents. I'm like, maybe we should do a parent season two. Everybody comes from different bra- backgrounds and everybody believes are different. But I think you nailed this, like, what matters is, you know, being kind and having good intentions. And I cannot thank you enough for spending your time here. I know, like, time oh. is pressure. It's really precious. And you decided to spend... An hour and a half almost with us. And I really, really, I really thank you for that. And I hope to be able to talk to you again on the podcast, of course, in life. But where people can find you if they want to, if you want to be found, do you have any social media? Is that something you want to share? Or is just here is a privilege for people listening to the podcast? You know, I wish I had my social media more cool or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, you can actually see myself and Mitch on I think our Instagram handle is Jenny and Mitch. I I am going to go there. Like I don't have social media, just Veta Hat has, but I will definitely check you out there. Um, So Jenny and Mitch. Yeah, it's Jenny and Mitch, but you can also check our hamster out there. I didn't know that. I didn't know Waffles had a, a, (laughs) is it Instagram? Yes, yes. I'll definitely do that. I see I had no idea. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been so wonderful getting to know you and your journey better. And to have someone that I can share my journey with that that doesn't judge and that understands. No judgments here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jenny, so much. And for all of you guys at home, stay safe. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. Bye. All right, all right, all right. The honest mistake. Let's talk about the things we might have been a little confused, a little mistaken during the episode, and the things that we want to dig a little bit deeper. I am going to dive in in one topic that might be a little polemic, um, the cost of veterinary care. Jenny and I talked about it. She even mentioned some numbers. We dabbled a little bit of the cost. Uh, of the care for her hamster and then we talked about comparing a tiny animal like a hamster versus a dog or a cat and size and what matters 
This is something I often discuss with my colleagues and my clients. Um, for a veterinarian, the size of patient really doesn't matter in a sense that the knowledge we need to have, the licenses we need to have, the years of studying, the structure we need to have, the equipment we need to have, and the staff and personnel that support us and help us. Everything pretty much the same. I mean, doesn't matter if you're seeing, again, a a small chihuahua or a gigantic Grand Dane, you still need to have all of that structure behind you and all of that structure carries a cost. So it's, it's really, it really causes a lot of stress with uh, when people bring up money, although I know and I understand where people are coming from. We are not trying to just get money from people, really trying to survive and provide high quality care. And I think that's where it becomes so frustrating for us is because we know what materials and what we need in terms of equipment and resources to provide the best quality care possible. And that comes with a cost. And when we need to cut on this cost, that's when we know we're not offering the best care we can offer. And so I just wanted to bring that awareness and say that in general, if you charge less than the average market price, you're really offering substandard medicine. It's It becomes really daunting and frustrating for the veterinarian because we know what is ideal. Although we do completely understand that not everybody has the finances and we do want to help. And that becomes a battle in our mind because we know what the patient needs, but we also understand the human side and we know what can or cannot be done. So really, if you have the opportunity to have insurance for your pet, uh, pet insurance, I strongly advise you to, to invest on that because it does make a difference. It does help you make decisions when um, the time comes and you need to spend money. Having health insurance really helps. Also, the price you pay for a pet, if any, for instance, some of my dogs were found on the streets, so I didn't pay anything for them. But that does not really reflect the cost you might have with veterinary care or care in general. All animals can get sick, and in that case, we require medical attention. There's no magical injection that cures diseases, and we do not have a magical ball to tell us what's going on with our patients. We really need to use diagnostic tests and um, try treatments and sometimes hospitalize and sometimes it's surgical. So it's all of that involved. And I also understand sometimes people want a short and quick answer. It's just very difficult to do that because, again, we need all those pieces of the puzzle to put the puzzle together and know what's really going on with our patient. And as Jenny said so well, it's not the cost of the pet, it's the size of the love that matters. We also talked about adoption. Um, Jenny is an adoptee. She also adopted. Um, we also adopted here, as you know. And we talked a little bit about adoption cases in the U.S. And I did some research, um, although pretty similar to the time when um, I adopted my own kids. Uh, it seems like everything stills, um, it still remains the same. So, I looked it up, the big reasons why kids enter the foster care system in the United States. So in the United States, we don't have orphanages. Like in Brazil, we still have the orphanages as institutions. Here we have the foster care system. Um, so here, the reasons why kids enter the foster care are many. 
the main reason is neglect. Um, and that means when a child goes without basic needs and that will cause the courts to remove the child from the home and foster care, the goal of foster care is always um, reunioning with the family, the biological family, but sometimes that's not possible and that's when the kids are placed for adoption. And abuse also occurs, although it's not the main reason. Um, illnesses, sometimes, you know, a parent's health does not allow them to care for a child, so that also happens. Incarcerations, when the biological parents face incarceration, so um, again, um, that can also happen. And keep in mind that before foster care, a lot of attempts are made for the children to be placed with uh, the care of friends or family, and the same thing before they place for adoption. Um, it's always there's always that um, that goal to reunite with the original family or proximate uh, proximal family or friends or um, someone that it's already in that child's um, life. Death is another thing that can lead uh, a kid to be placed under foster care. Drug abuse, um, when the parents are suffering from an addiction, addiction, and the child, the child will um, suffer with that. Again, um, they can be placed. The court can place that child or those kids under um, foster care. And um, in rare occasions, they're the child's choice and voluntary placement, but those are very, very rare. Um, I have some numbers, too, about adoption and stati statistics. In the U.S., um, there are 420,000 children in foster care in the United States. 135,000 children are adopted in the United States each year. Um, among those children, males outnumber females, and African-American children are disproportionately represented, and over half are six years old or older. More than 60% of children in foster care spend two to five years before being adopted, and some never get adopted. And in 2015, over 670,000 children spent time in the U.S. foster care. Um, although no more than 2% of Americans have actually adopted, more than one-third have considered it. Six in 10 Americans have had personal experience with adoption. Around 7 million Americans are adopted and around 140,000 children are adopted by American families every year. So those are some statistics, some numbers for you guys. We also discussed religion. We have been discussing religion quite often in the previous podcast, but we talked about Brazil um, and religion and uh, Christianity and Catholicism. So Christianity, it is the largest religion in Brazil with Catholics having the most adherents. Uh, Brazil possesses a richly spiritual society and is formed from the meaning of the Catholic Church, which the with the religion traditions of African slaves and indigenous people. So it's a combo of all of that. Until recently, Catholicism was overwhelmingly dominant but that had a rapid change in the 21st century, and that has led to a growth of in secularism, no, which means no religion affiliation, 
um, and evangelical Protestantism to over 22% of the population. In 2010 census in Brazil, they indicated um, 65% of the population indicated they consider themselves Catholics, and that is down from 90% in 1970. Still in 2010, 5.2% of the population considered themselves as followers of other religions, including Spiritism that I have already talked about here. So there are other religions um, that people consider themselves followers. In 1891, when the first Brazilian Republican constitution was set forth, Brazil ceased to have an official religion and has remained secular ever since, though the Catholic Church remained politically influential in the 1970s. The Constitution of Brazil guarantees freedom of religion and strongly prohibits the establishment of any religion by banning government support or hindrance of religion at all levels. Also, we talked about or more accurately, um, Jenny brought up Satanism and we mentioned that during the podcast and I researched to see wh what exactly that is. So the Levian Satanism is a religion that was founded in 1966 by the American occultist and author Anton Zender LaVey. Um, scholars of religion have classified it as a new religious movement and a form of Western exoterism. It is one of the several different movements that describe themselves as forms of Satanism. Their religion's uh, doctrines are codified in the Lavien's book, The Satanic Bible, as they call. The religion is materialist, rejecting the existence of supernatural beings, body-soul dualisms, and life after death. The practitioners do not believe that Satan literally exists and do not worship him. Instead, Satan is viewed as a positive archetype representing pride, carnality, and enlightenment. It's funny that we say that God and Satan are men figures, right? And that has nothing to do with the religion. This is just me right now thinking about it. Why can't God and Satan be women? That's curious. Um, the Levian Satanism involves the practice of magic, which encompasses two distinct forms, greater and lesser magic. The greater magic is a form of ritual practice and is meant as a psychodramatic or psychodramatic catharsis to focus one's emotional energy for a specific purpose. These rites are based on three major psycho-emotive themes. Compassion, love, destruction, hate, and sex, lust. Lesser magic is the practice of manipulation by means of applied psychology and glamour or while in guile to bend an individual or situation to one's will. Last, Jenny mentioned a poem when she was talking about adoption and bond and love. And it's a very short poem and I would like to recite, actually read it to you. It's called, Not Flesh of My Flesh, Not Flesh of My Flesh, Nor Bone of My Bone, But is still, Miraculously, My Own. Never forget for a single minute, You didn't grow under my heart, but in it. Such a beautiful poem. The author is Flora Conklin Hinlayer. That's it, guys, for today. 
Um, that was our The Honest podcast and The Honest Mistake. Stay safe, wash your hands, wear your mask, and enjoy your week. I'll see you soon. Bye.